Welcome to the Erickson Covenant Podcast. We are so glad that you've joined us today. We confess that we don't have all the answers, but as a community, we seek to find and follow Jesus and to discover daily the life he has always wanted for us. We hope this message will be encouraging and will inspire you to take the next steps on your spiritual journey. If we can help you in any way, please connect with us. The easiest way is through our website at ericksoncovenant.ca. Let's get started. Let me remind you of your fifth grade science poster. Do you remember it? Okay, maybe it wasn't you, maybe it was your buddy Jimmy, but that fifth grade science poster where you depicted the water cycle. (laughs) Do you remember it? There's a mountain, and over top that mountain, there's an angry-looking cloud that is pouring down rain on top of the mountain. And every little raindrop becomes a little rivulet and becomes a little stream, which then picks up momentum as the streams come together into creeks. And these are rushing creeks down the mountain, kind of like Sullivan Creek over here, and down into the Goat River, which then gets into the Kootenai. You know where I'm going with this. All these little streams descending down, becoming greater and greater into the rivers that then flow, and we were maybe a bit confused by this as grade fivers, but depending where you were in the Continental Divide, of course, they flowed this way or that way, some into Hudson's Bay, some into the Gulf of Mexico, Atlantic, Pacific, but they all eventually made their way to the sea. And then we would look at this little poster we were making as now that the water had made it all the way down to the sea, and then we would maybe draw a picture of the sun over the sea with a little smiley face because the sun was magically drawing the water back up again from the oceans or the lakes back up into these clouds and then drifting back over top the same mountain and pouring down the water all over again. This water cycle would be depicted on many science posters, I think, in a lot of different ways, capturing the marvel of this returning water back and forth, round and round. The very world-weary writer of Ecclesiastes captured it by saying, rivers run into the sea, but the sea is never full. Then the waters return again to the rivers and flow again out into the sea. Well, he might have been a bit world-weary by it, but there's something marvelous about it, isn't there? This water cycle that around and around it goes, bringing nourishment, bringing life to the earth. That's the water cycle. But in some ways, we could say the equivalent for us as the church is the witness cycle. And that's what we're exploring today. Well, in this series, we've been looking at our mission as a church. Weeks one and two, we renewed our mission. Sort of the what. What was it? Well, to help people find and follow Jesus. And that's how we've captured our mission for years. That's what we are all about as followers of Jesus, as the Erickson Covenant Church. Last week, we rooted our mission in our motive sort of the why of the mission, which is, of course, so that people will flourish in Jesus, flourish in their relationships, flourish in their lives, flourish as God intended. Today, 
we're going to examine the way of that mission. You could say the modus operandi. The way that people who find and follow and now flourish in Jesus are then led to fulfill God's mission in the world. And the key we discover to the fulfillment of the mission, the modus operandi, the very way this happens, the key has already been given to us in last week's passage. I hope you heard it, but let me remind you, it's found in John chapter 7, when Jesus, on the last and greatest day of the Feast of Tabernacles, on the day when all of Israel was looking at this water-drawing ceremony where the water was pulled from the pool of Siloam and poured on the altar and it ran down as a symbol of this life-giving river that's captured in Ezekiel 47, as well as the promise in Isaiah 12, how they would draw water from the wells of salvation. All this was captured together as the people of God would call out for God's restoration and return. That it was on that day, on that day, Jesus stood up and shouted the words, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, Jesus said, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. It's an incredible promise. And we explored in a lot more detail last week how this image of a flowing river depicts the flourishing of God's creation and the flourishing of God's people as he desired. This promise tells us that people who find and follow Jesus, anyone who trusts their lives into Jesus, will find that flowing from within themselves the very river that's depicted throughout Scripture and promised by God. It's incredible. But how will that happen? How will that river flow? How will that flourishing occur? It's essential that we get this. And to be honest, last week, we glossed over it rather quickly, but we need to return to it this week. It's very important. How will this river of life flow from within people? What will be its source? Believing in Jesus, yes. Jesus himself said that. Turning away from our self-salvation projects and all the ways we're trying to make life work and turning toward Jesus and trusting our life into Jesus' hands, yes. But that's not all. Jesus himself was pointing to someone else, pointing to the Holy Spirit himself, which John, the writer, right immediately after he relays to us what Jesus said, he explains it to us with those words in John seven thirty nine. By this, this reference to the river flowing from within us, by this, Jesus meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that point, the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not, been, had not yet been glorified. Belief in Jesus invites the Spirit of God into a person, and that's who creates the river of life. Come unto me and drink, says Jesus, and the Spirit will come into you and flow. Let me say that again. 
Come unto me and drink, says Jesus, and the Spirit will come into you and flow. As followers of Jesus, we're committed to helping people find and follow Jesus so they can flourish in Jesus just as God intended. And that flourishing work is a work of the Holy Spirit who comes into our lives, who comes into people's lives and brings forgiveness and healing and grace and freedom, who brings power over sin, power to break destructive habits, power to be merciful, power to forgive, power to make things right, power to serve, power to love. Here's the amazing thing. That river that's flowing from within us, given to us, birthed within us by the Holy Spirit, doesn't just bring flourishing to the person who trusts in Jesus and receives the Spirit. It certainly does that. It brings personal flourishing. It makes us right with God. It enables us to make things right with others and live in reconciled ways. It does all of that, and that is beautiful, and that is God's desire. But it doesn't just bring it to the individual. Like a river, it overflows to the world around, to the relationships around, to the homes around, to the family and the friends and the workplaces and the schools and the businesses. This river of life that's flowing from within, birthed by the Holy Spirit, overflows into a dry and thirsty and broken world with the life that God himself intended. And it's a river that does not stop. It just keeps going and going and going, round and around and around, sourced by God himself, bringing life and freedom and nourishment and wholeness wherever it goes. It's an unstoppable overflow. And that's what we're exploring today. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, would you lead us now to understand in a deep and profound way that this flourishing you have created in our lives not only is for us, but in some beautiful way for the world. Help us to see, to understand, to feel, and respond to all that you were doing in us and through us. In your name we pray. Amen. Now, the arrival of the Holy Spirit in people's lives was something the ancient prophets promised would happen again and again and again. Jeremiah comes to mind. Ezekiel comes to mind. Joel comes to mind. And there are many others. So that promise was given all the way through the Hebrew Scriptures from the ancient prophets. And then again, during the ministry of Jesus. In fact, on the very first day that Jesus went public with his ministry, the day that he was baptized, that promise was reiterated again by John the Baptist. John said, hey, I baptize you with water, but the one who's coming is going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Jesus himself repeated that promise over and over again throughout his own ministry. Toward the end, just before the cross, He promised that the coming Spirit would would, would come into his disciples and lead them in the next stage of their journey. Here's one example. Jesus, in the upper room discourse, giving the disciples 
a lot of last-minute instructions before his crucifixion found in John chapter 15, 16, and 17. Actually, 14, 15, 16, and 17. He says this in John 15, 26, and 27. He said, when the advocate comes, that's the word he's using for the Holy Spirit, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. So the promise was given over and over again. But most famously, it was after Jesus rose from the dead and he was showing himself around to hundreds and hundreds of people that he was alive. Look at the holes. You know, I'm, I'm here. This is really me. He's showing himself to hundreds and hundreds of witnesses. It was then that he told his disciples that before they would be able to complete their mission from God, their mission to go into all the world and preach the gospel, their mission to make more disciples, their mission to teach people to observe what Jesus himself had taught them, the way they were to live, that mission. Before they were able to do any of that, they needed to wait. They needed to wait for the Holy Spirit who would descend after Jesus himself had ascended. At the end of Luke, chapter 24, verse 49, he said, I'm going to send you what my Father has promised. But stay in the city, city of Jerusalem he's referring to, but stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. And then in the overlapping portion, Luke and Acts were both written by Luke. Uh, Jesus gives a little more detail, and I'd like to read that for you today I want to just read Acts, the first eight verses from the book of Acts. Acts chapter 1, 1 to 8. In my former book, Theophilus, and and here Luke's referring to the gospel of Luke. So it's like volume 2. I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem. But wait for the gift my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. You heard the promise. When the Spirit comes, you will receive power and you will be my witnesses to the world. Now, when we bring all of this together, all of this of the river flowing, the promise of the Spirit coming, you bring it all together, what we find is this, the flourishing river that Jesus promised, 
that river that would flow from within us as we trust our lives to him and the Spirit comes in is a work of the Holy Spirit that then flows out from us, out from his people and into the world. And wherever that river flows, life comes. God's Spirit fulfills his mission within us through the overflow of our flourishing. I want us to catch this. This is super important. You see, it's his filling of us that leads us to fulfill his mission in the world. It's his filling of us by the Spirit, causing this river to flow, this flourishing to happen, this reconnection with God, this uh, reconciliation with others, this ability to now live the new creation life, to live in the power of the Spirit, to forgive and make right, to seek to do justice and have mercy and, and walk humbly and to do and live the way that Jesus has called us to do and live. That work of the Spirit within us. That is something that creates a flourishing within us that then goes out. And that going out is actually a fulfillment of the mission of God. And what's that mission? That more and more men, women, children, people of all ethnicities, people of all different backgrounds, people who have struggled, people who have done well, people who are confused, people that are foolish, people that are far, far away, people that are close in, all kinds of people, every imaginable stripe and variety, that they would come to find and follow Jesus so they could flourish as God intended. And that as they're flourishing, they would discover from within them the river of life by the Spirit overflowing from within them and then going out to help more people find and follow Jesus and flourish in him. Do you see the cycle? It's like the water cycle. It's like the rain on the mountain that flows down to the sea and then is sucked back up by evaporation and then goes around and around. This is the witness cycle of the church. It can be captured even in this little graphic. Do you see it? See how it goes around and it feeds itself like the water cycle, this witness cycle, as people are finding and following and then flourishing in Jesus. The Spirit is fulfilling God's mission through them to the world, which is, as we know, helping more people find, follow, and flourish in Jesus. And as they do, more people find, follow, and flourish in Jesus around and around this life-giving water witness cycle, this Spirit of God who flows out through us to the world. I want us as a church to fix our imagination, a mental image in our heart and mind of this river of life where the headwaters aren't in some remote mountain, but actually from within us, from within us as a community, from within us as people born again by the Holy Spirit of God, finding that his river of life is flowing from within us and overflowing to the world. And this river that is flowing from you and from me and from us is a river that can bring healing, life, 
nourishment, freedom to anyone who's swept up in his current. We're very familiar with what happens when rivers overflow their banks. We saw what happened down in the lower mainland and through Merritt and Lytton and Princeton, all these places where the destructive power of flowing water, right? But what we discover is that this river of life does the exact opposite. It doesn't bring destruction. It brings construction. It doesn't destroy. It brings life. There's an overflowing that leads to a greater abundance and freedom and vitality. It's gathering power and sweeping all of us up in this new creation life. This is God's desire. And for us, us as the Erickson Covenant Church, we just want to live into that. We want to experience that. We want to see others discover all that God has for them so that they experience too. And so these four weeks have been designed for us just to refocus and reimagine and rethink and be reminded of what we're all about. And I just want to offer, as we close this series, as I close the message today, just some pastoral encouragement to you, to us, as a church community going forward. My real call here, maybe it's a bit of an invitation to consider 2022 around these terms. But what I want to invite you and I and us to be this year is the people who are flourishing by the Spirit. I want to invite us to take seriously that command from Paul, be filled with the Spirit, be continually filled with the Spirit, and, and say, can we, as a congregation, we, as a community of Jesus' followers, we, as seekers who are just trying to explore who Jesus is, and can we be a people who just simply open ourselves up to the work of the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, flow through me. Fill me. Help me to flourish in a way that out of the overflow of this flourishing, others discover your love too. And my invitation for you is that all of us together would say, let's be a people filled by the Holy Spirit this year. Let's imagine the Holy Spirit who fills us overflowing to others. What does that look like? It actually starts with some very simple stuff. It actually will, 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 will continue to occur within us and overflow to others through some of the very things we've already been pursuing. So I'm not introducing anything new, but I'm reminding us that as we come back to the source the Holy Spirit will flow. So as a church, one of the things we want to be is really intentional about our connection with the Holy Spirit, about being filled with Him. We want to be really intentional about being formed by the Holy Spirit into the image of Jesus Christ. Letting the Holy Spirit fill us, correct us, um, discipline us, encourage us, equip us, Enable us to love and serve others just as Jesus has called us to, just as Jesus himself has served. The Holy Spirit forms us 
into Christ, into Christ-likeness, in a way that would influence, in a way that would change, in a way that would grow in all of our relationships, in all of our interactions, so that we look, feel, talk more and more like Jesus. What that means for me and for us, I believe, is this, that we would individually and together be a church that is firmly rooted in Scripture, firmly rooted in prayer, that we as a people would would be intentional about these healthy rhythms and relationships, that we would be continually looking at our rule of life, that is, the things that make up our schedules and our practices and our habits, and we would be saying, Holy Spirit, help me, together with my brothers and sisters, make sure that my life is shaped around your heart, around the things that lead to my flourishing, but flourishing in a way that brings overflow to the world. And that's looking at simple things like, am I spending time in Scripture? Am I, am I getting together to talk with a friend about, about what God is doing in my life? Am I, am I, am I, am I um, putting certain spiritual formation practices that help me be continually filled by the Holy Spirit? So we want to be a church that's firmly rooted in our connection with God, our connection by the Spirit. That's how the Holy Spirit fills us. Where on a daily basis we can say, Holy Spirit, fill me today as I walk, as I work, as I speak, as I interact, as I think. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Not only being firmly rooted, but the other thing, we've been talking about this quite a bit, but I'm going to keep reminding us of this. I'm really hoping that this year would be a year where we are more deeply committed to each other than ever before. You know, emerging out of this pandemic, there's few things that I think are more important right now than us walking together for each other, being intentional about connecting together. Yes, around Scripture. Yes, around prayer. Yes, in spiritual friendship where we're talking and discussing the things of God together and encourage one another. Yes. But also just the daily connections, the the weekly moments, the, the interactions, whether it's online or in person or over the phone. But I'm asking you, I'm asking us, to look at this year and say, I need to do this year with my family with my spiritual family. I, I, need, I, I need them and they need me. And so that this year would be a year where we are, yes, firmly rooted in Scripture and prayer and all these good spiritual practices, but also deeply committed to one another, deeply committed to each other's flourishing. Actually, I think that's key. I want to say that 2022 can be a year of flourishing for us by the Spirit. It can be a year where we we walk together and see the work of the Spirit being done in us and see each other flourishing in ways that we've never flourished before. And that could sound like I'm, I'm kind of just uh, calling us as a church to just live for each other. But here's the thing I'm convinced of. As I've looked at the Scripture, 
as I've even examined these things over the last couple weeks, I'm absolutely convinced that if you and I will seek to be filled with God's Holy Spirit, and we will walk that out together, seeking one another's flourishing, the Spirit will do His job in fulfilling God's mission through us. In other words, if we can flourish together, friends, the overflow of that flourishing will be the fulfillment of God's mission. The overflow of our flourishing will lead more people to find and follow Jesus so they flourish too. And so let's walk together this year, friends. Let's remember what Jesus has called us into. Let's open ourselves up to the Holy Spirit and let the Spirit flow through us to the world. You know, as I uh, close, let me... um, introduce you to a completely different, not completely different, a different phrase that I've been banning about here, but it reminded me of it this week as I was, I was thinking about these things. In the covenant family, one of the ways we've captured our um, life and our mission has been in the simple phrase, for God's glory and our neighbor's good. God's glory, neighbor's good. It's a, a nice way, I like it, a nice way of capturing what we're all about. I'd like to lay that over everything we've said maybe simplify everything in this old phrase from our family. We are seeking to bring God glory. We are seeking our neighbor's good. What we discover, though, is that these are interconnected, aren't they? As we seek to bring God glory, which are the things we're talking about, being connected to him, being responsive to him, uh, letting his word shape our lives, worshiping him, giving, giving praise and glory to him for who he is, and then living that out in our lives. That brings God glory. But as we do that, what we discover is that the Holy Spirit will lead us to also seek our neighbor's good to love more than we've loved before, to serve in ways that are empowered by the Spirit, to be that overflowing river to others. What we also discover is, as we seek the good of our neighbor, as we seek their flourishing, whether they know Jesus or not, as we look for opportunities to just bless and encourage and help and serve, what we discover is in bringing good to our neighbor, God is also glorified. Neighbor's good and God's glory are interconnected and reinforced. As we help people find and follow Jesus and they flourish, God's mission is fulfilled through us. And all of this, round and round, brings God glory, brings others good. Hey, as we look forward to all that God has for us, I'm excited for the flourishing we'll experience and the overflow we'll see. Thanks for listening in today. We hope you feel encouraged and challenged. If you know someone who would benefit from what you have heard today, please share this podcast. For more information, or if you have questions, you can connect with us through our website, ericksoncovenant.ca. You can also find us on Facebook by searching for Erickson Covenant Church.